Welcome to the Ipsos Politics Talk podcast. My name is Kieran Pedley. Today we are going to be talking about Keir Starmer and the Labour Party. New polling from Ipsos for the Evening Standard shows that 50% of Britons say that they do not know what Keir Starmer stands for. But does it matter? And what is the state of play as we head to the long campaign uh, for the next general election? To discuss this and more, I'm joined by my colleagues at Ipsos, Cameron Garrett and Holly Day. Welcome to you both. Good to be here, Kieran. Hello, Kieran. All very official <laughs> today. Put ourselves at ease. Um, so, Cameron, we want to talk about Labour. Um, we've got a big splash in the Evening Standard today, which we want to go over some of the numbers on that. But more generally, where are we as we stand? So the state of play at the minute is quite positive for the Labour Party. Um, when we look at our monthly voting intention, Labour now have a 22-point lead over the Conservatives. So Labour we have on 47, the Conservatives on 25. Um, to put that in context, that's nearly twice as many voters back in Labour over the Conservatives. Um, and this is driven by kind of dissatisfaction with the government. We have 8 in 10 now saying they're dissatisfied, just 12% satisfied, giving them a net of minus 68. That is their worst, more or less, um, net satisfaction since the 2019 general election. The only one that beats it only slightly was minus 69 during Liz Truss's premiership. So things are as bad as they were then for the government at the minute. Um, and following the news of interest rates last week as well, 87% of mortgage holders are dissatisfied. They're more dissatisfied than renters. And economic optimism is worsening again. We've seen it gradually improve over the past few months, but it has dipped back down um, in this month's um, gauge of public opinion. 58% say expect the economy to get worse over the next 12 months. Sunak's um, net ratings are slightly better. He's on minus 31. So it's kind of, as we've seen over the past few months, the Sunak's brand is better than the Conservative brand, but not necessarily enough to buoy them, buoy them up. So it's not really positive for the Conservatives. And as we go on and speak about the Labour Party, it's definitely fertile ground for them. And Holly, any of these numbers surprising to you? I mean, we've had um, stubbornly high inflation, interest rates going up, party gate rearing its head again. I suppose if anything was going to prevent the Conservatives recovering a bit, as they have been, this was it, right? Yeah, and this has been a general trend since the start of the year, to be honest. All of the numbers that you just mentioned, Cameron, have been worsening steadily over time since about, about January, so they don't surprise me. I think the kind of historical context is where I found it a bit more surprising, that negative 68 uh, figure that you mentioned sitting around the Liz Trust zone. I think only John Major had done worse at some point potentially Theresa May kind of very much towards the end of her tenure as well mm. so I think it struck me although the numbers the numbers are looking really bad from the perspective of the government I don't think I'd clocked onto quite how bad in the historical context um, but as you said the the economic context is really what's driving this and when people are hit by higher inflation interest rates are increasing people's mortgages people's rents people's energy bills none of this is giving people a good feeling to be able to turn those numbers in a in a different direction i don't think uh, and as we know I mean, elections are uh, a choice um it's all relative between the two main parties obviously we live in a multi-party system um with the SNP, Liberal Democrats, Greens and others um, at the risk of naming, miss, missing out someone and being, <laughs> uh, being shouted down on social media. I mean, it, it's worth pointing out that I think Boris Johnson's Conservative Party had a 73% dissatisfaction rating, I think it's, I'm right in saying, going into a 2019 election. But they were up against the Labour Party that at least at that time was less convincing in the public's 
uh, minds, 2019 that is, rather than 2017. I mean, let's 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 move on and talk about the the subject of today's podcast, Holly, which is Labour. Um, the the front page Evening Standard today talks about will the real Keir Starmer please stand up? I'm not going to do the rap. <laughs> I thought well, about you were going to stand up. Well, yeah. yeah, you could have at least stood up if you weren't going to rap. It's good, the it's good for numbers. It's good for numbers, but um, yeah, all bad, all terrible for numbers. Right. Um, but what's the what's the premise behind that headline? What are our numbers showing? I think the point is the the context that we've just described about the Conservatives could potentially provide fertile ground for the Labour Party. So in our in our polling that's just come out, Labour are the most trusted to have the right policies specifically on the issues that matter mm. to the public. So when we ask the public uh, which are the most important policies to them, they throw out the NHS, the cost of living and being able to manage the economy. They're the top three priorities for the public. And then when we poll on who the public would trust on certain policy areas, Labour are way ahead by 30 points on the NHS, 20 plus points on the cost of living, just five points on the economy. But I think, so that difference between the cost of living and the economy is important. We might we might go on to discuss that. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're still ahead on that, given again, historical context, I think speaks volumes. Um, but on the other hand, they still have work to do, right? Starmer and Labour, their numbers aren't particularly convincing when it comes to people knowing um, kind of who they are, what the brand is, what they stand for, what they're going to do when they're in government. So we have 58% of people telling us they know too little currently about Labour's plan. Not necessarily surprising given we're potentially a year-ish out from a general election without wanting to predict the future. <laughs> but 50 <laughs> yeah, For our sakes, yeah. Still a very high number, isn't it, though? And half of people tell us they don't know what Keir Starmer stands for. So in the next year, they've got a bit of work to do to be able to turn those numbers around. Um, I think it's up for discussion, though, to what extent that matters, because Ooh, it's yeah. still translating into vote intention that's having a hefty lead. So do we think, do we think it matters that currently... People don't know who he is and what the party stands well, for. Well, I've got my views on this, but I'm going to come to Cameron first on that. I mean, some people in Labour would say, steady as she goes, Cameron. What do you think? Yep. Um, I saw a tweet from another pollster this week. Another one? A, yeah, um, Joe Twineman. Um, he was sharing a tweet about how a year ago articles were being shared that Boris Johnson was actively planning for his third um, term as prime minister. So... I think the point is... Always best to plan ahead. Yeah, I think the point is a year is a long time in politics um, and we're saying we're still a year out. Um, Yeah, pulse to caveat. You have to be very careful predicting these things. Mm. God knows what will happen in a year's time. Um, I think it matters in terms of momentum behind the Labour Party. Are people excited about the Labour Party Um, when the election comes? Yeah, you might be against the Tory party, but are you geared up to go and put your tick against the Labour Party? Mm. Um, and that could impact turnout um, and it could be the difference between, I don't know, a 97 Labour landslide or a hung parliament. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to say I'm very much in the camp. That I think it does matter. Um, if you look at Keir Starmer's net satisfaction ratings, they're currently at minus 18, which to, for, for context, David Cameron and Tony Blair, small sample size granted, but both Cameron and Blair had net positives going into general elections that they won uh, from opposition. So whilst um, Keir Starmer's net satisfaction ratings aren't terrible by any stretch, and they're sort of generally better than uh, Jeremy Corbyn's and Ed Miliband's were as a rule when they were leaders of the opposition, they're kind of middling so-so, you know. And these things are relative, so as long as the government is as unpopular as it is, I mean, the phrase I keep boring people with is that the public might say, you know, better the devil we don't know than the devil we do. But there is a 
to some extent, there is a risk that Labour become, or Keir Starmer in particular, becomes a bit of a blank canvas, which can be good if you have a good campaign, but if you have a bad general election campaign, then you know, it runs the risk of your opponents defining you. I mean, the best comparison I can think of with that very different context is Theresa May's 2017 campaign. If the whole thing becomes about you and your personality and that's destroyed mm. within the realms of that campaign, then things can can change quite quickly. So, yeah, I mean, if the government remains as unpopular as it is today, it is, I mean, it's not an open goal, but it's pretty much for, for Labour next time. But I would say that they still need to put meat on the bones about what they're going to do uh, in government. Otherwise, you know, apathy could set in, but also it leaves them open to attack. I think it's worth flagging as well, though, that even though the Conservatives are currently in government, they've got the five pledges, they've been governing for 13 years now, the figures we're getting for them are, are very similar to the Labour figures. So um, 58% of people who told us they didn't know about Labour's plan, we get exactly the same figure for the Conservative plan. Mm. And mm. they're currently in government, um, supposedly yeah. enacting their, their plan. And to be fair, the pledges point is well made because uh, we find six in ten members of the public think that uh, Sunak's government is doing a bad job uh, delivering on the, the cost of living and reducing NHS um, waiting times. But I suppose is there a, is there a risk, Cameron, with the uh, you know with Labour sort of putting out policies? I mean, we've, they've had to row back on a few recently, haven't they? Yeah, um, I guess it is a risk. We are still a year out. Um... And they kind of want to be pleasing all bases at the minute. They want to be kind of trying to keep hold of their 2019 coalition and winning people over and putting out policies could potentially make either camp unhappy. So maybe at the minute they're just trying to row into the next general election, yeah. keeping everyone appeased. Um, and yeah, like you said, the political climate is changing. Like I said, a year is a long time in politics. They've had to row back recently, depending on the state of the economy at the minute on their um, pledges around the green energy the pledge green energy yeah it was pledge. an interesting one that because we polled on basic i'm not sure many people knew <laughs> it existed <laughs> yeah. as a pledge so you could say that it brought it it brought it into people's um frame of mind that like, people that didn't know about yeah. it then knew about it but when we ask people what they think off the back of that and what the impact of that is on the party the top reason we get is 42 percent of people telling us that labor will say anything to win and that's where the danger lies you start mm. to make people aware of policies you start to push your policies and that awareness particularly if you then change your mind or roll back and I know Rachel Reeves gave the argument that it was kind of to do with fiscal responsibility and they weren't reneging on it completely it was mm. just to push it back a bit but if you've then got quite a hefty chunk of people thinking you'll basically just say anything to get votes you don't want to get caught in that hole either where you look like you're just throwing policies out for the sake of it to to win votes. Yeah, you can see it's an attack line the Conservatives are trying 100%. to make stick yep. is that you, know, you can't trust a word that they say. So yep. in this particular question, I'm going to do that thing you should never do, which is read off a bit of paper, <laughs> mm -hmm. but there's lots of uh, there's lots of data here. So we put the, the delay in the green energy policy to the public and gave a series of statements and said, which of these apply? Uh, which of these do you think apply to Labour as a result? So you've mentioned 42% uh, saying that Labour will say anything to, to win. We've also got 41% saying that this shows flexibility as circumstances change and 34% saying that it shows Labour is prepared to take tough decisions. So on, on the face of it, those are good things. Um, but also we've got 33% saying it shows that they'll spend too much money in office and 32% saying um, it that may, shows that they're indecisive. So I think this goes to the heart of the, the challenge Labour have got in the next year. On the one hand, you really they really do need to emphasise fiscal credibility, fiscal responsibility, wherever they can. It's a traditional brand weakness of the Labour Party. Mm. They're seen as a party historically spent too much money and look, we're not here to advocate for that as, a, as justified, but this is a concern the public often have 
have with Labour. Can they run an economy and can they take tough decisions? But on the flip side, all the polling evidence we have shows people do want change and often they do want more money to help mm. with the cost of living and, and public services and so on. So it's finding that delicate sort of balancing act. But then at the same time, Cameron, I think we're right in saying that, you know, Rachel Reeves, her polling is pretty, pretty good vis-a-vis -vis Jeremy Hunt and... Uh, Yep. In terms of who would make the best chancellor? Yep. So when we asked them who would be the most capable chancellor, Rachel Reeves is ahead of um, Jeremy Hunt. She has a double-digit lead, opening up her lead from when we last asked in November, I think. So they have a good lead there. And like you said, it is a traditional brand weakness. I think Greg Hands keeps showing that letter saying there's no money left. Mm. Um, and the Conservatives are trying to plough that home. But I think... Holly, you were saying they only ha only have a five point lead, which yeah, only a five point lead. I think Labour would be very, very happy, oh, 100%. like to win that back over from the past decade where they've stood with economic credibility. Mm. This is promising. So this is a five point lead the, on what? Sorry, oh, on the economy, managing, oh, yeah. managing yeah. the economy yeah. overall. Yeah, managing the economy overall. Still not fantastic, but where they're at, and when you think about when people talk about a political triangle, you need the party, you need the leader, and you need the economy. It's good for them. Mm. Um, and the charts looking positive for them with Labour in the lead and Conservatives out for the first time, I think, since mm. 20 I do find it interesting, though, when you look at it, that, that Labour has, a, I can't remember what the exact figure was now, but you know, way into the double digits, even in the 20s, in terms of which parties most trusted on the cost of living, mm. to have the best policies on the cost of living, Labour are way out in front of the Conservatives. 22 well, points. 20, one, okay, yeah. 22 points ahead on the cost of living, which is the number one issue uh, consistently, or one of the number one issues that we, we find. Uh, depending on which poll you're looking at. But on managing the economy itself, it's five points. This shows that there's a, it's clearly uh, voters are thinking about different things when they think of those two things, you know, Labour helping on the cost of living versus managing an economy. And I suppose for the Conservatives, they'll want to be trying to work out why that is and then have that conversation about managing the economy as a whole rather than simply the, the cost of living. Mm. What do people think? If they can make that hit home, I think that's what they, well, it seems to me that's what they think their best chance is because we did go through a period, um, particularly whilst the, when the economic figures were looking bad for the for the government, where you didn't hear many of the um, cabinet throwing out that, it's not a punchline, but the phrase about there being no money left. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. I must have heard that five or six times in the past, probably just over the weekend in various <laughs> interviews that um, conservative um members have given on television so i think they've spotted um that that is a potential weakness that it is probably the best chance that they've got to be able to hit labor where it hurts um mm. and if they can make some of those things stick i think they genuinely will have quite a good chance because there's still a public perception that labor spend too much mm. in the in the poll that we released yeah. this week there's still um 37 of people think that labor spend too much on the other hand, people think the Conservatives spend too little. So if mm. the Conservatives are able to spin that in their direction and, as you said, um, kind of hold on to that fiscal responsibility narrative, economic competence, particularly if we're going to be going through a tough time uh, with inflation and everything that's happening over the next kind of 12 months, then um, that's definitely where they see themselves standing a chance. And this, this goes back to why I think um, this idea that half of the public don't know what Keir Starmer stands for, 58% say Labour have said too little about what they would do in office. This is why I think this stuff matters, the blank canvas point, because you know, ultimately the Conservatives will look at that as, okay, right, we're going to define that in voters' minds mm -hmm. for them. But at the same time, maybe we should spend a few minutes talking about the Conservatives themselves. As you alluded to, Holly, their numbers are dreadful. Eight in ten dissatisfied with the job the government's doing. Um, similar numbers for people not knowing what SULAC stands for and the Conservatives would do in office as well. So. 
they've got to set their own stall out, haven't they? Yep. And I think focusing on, obviously they want to move on to the economy, but to what extent are they also just opening a goal for Keir Starmer to say, oh, you want to speak about the economy? Why is it in such a state? Lose trust, et cetera. Mm. And re- replaying that in voters' minds. So I think they're in a tricky position at the minute where they're hard to kind of set their stall out. Yeah, it's kind of hard to see, unless the fundamentals change in the next year, it's hard to see what the what the narrative is for the Conservatives. I have this theory about tax, which the, whether they're going to promise tax cuts or there'll be some kind of movement there. Uh, maybe it'll be on something symbolic like inheritance tax or something more meaty like uh, like income tax or VAT, which are the ones that actually raise the most money. Hard to say, but you imagine the Conservatives will want to create that as a bit of a dividing line ahead of the next election. I mean, Holly, what do you think about some of that? You'd think there need to be because the five pledges at the moment, as you've alluded to in our polling, aren't going particularly well in the in the minds mm. of voters. I mean, he set his stall out to half inflation um, at the point when I think he made that pledge. Everyone there were that predictions was... That, that, that was... I think that's why it was his number one. Yeah, like, we'll yeah. take that one quite easily. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No one even look. knows what yeah. two, three and four are because yeah. because inflation's been soaring since that point. So I think they've got a, they've got a real struggle on their hands um, given... we. I mean, we talk about delivery on this podcast quite a lot, right? Mm-hmm. If you set yourself out with five pledges and you say, when it comes to the election, judge me on this, I will deliver... Um, yeah, and I do think with inflation, there's a, there's a slight challenge, which is that a lot of people don't necessarily know what it means. As in falling inflation, a lot of people assume means falling prices, whereas actually it means they're going up by less. Than well, yeah, were. and if inflation were to half, he might not even get the credit for that. Um, well, he might get the credit. He might get the credit for that pledge having been ticked off. But as you said, in the minds of the public, if that's not physically impacting the amount of money they've got mm. in their pockets um, or the, the amount of money yeah. they've got to spend. They're going to see not going to see that pledge as, as ticked off because they might not understand the intricacies uh, well, behind let's, it. Let's finish with uh, final remarks on Labour because that's been the focus of, of of today's podcast. So I'll come to you in turn, Cameron and Holly. I mean, what, what do you think the strategic priority is then for Labour? Obviously, it's everything. You know, they need to show fiscal credibility. What what they're going to do in office, all this other different stuff. But like, if if you had to focus on one thing, what do you think that that is? Yep, I don't think we've touched upon it that much in this podcast, actually. But we also ran a question about whether they knew members of the the public could name members of the shadow cabinet spontaneously. And we had around one in four being able to, off the top of their head, name Angela Rayner. But beyond that, it was very low um, numbers mentioning anyone else in the shadow shadow cabinet. I think around 5% could name the shadow home secretary, etc. And I think for... Keir Starmer now is building his team out. They don't know who he stands for, but he also needs trusted people within his cabinet and knowing who Labour are as a whole and what Labour as a whole stand for. So I think it's building that familiarity. People, the public think we need a change and he needs to be presenting a team of, yes, this is a change. These are competent people. And I think at the minute, that's still where the question mark is over the Labour Party. Mm. Holly, what do you think? I think that plus five we've got to manage in the economy is a crucial one that we'll obviously be tracking in the run-up to the election and over the next few months. If they can maintain a lead and a decent lead or even grow the lead on that figure, I think that'll set them in really good stead, particularly at the point where they start announcing policies and we're able to see the public public reaction to that. Also, I'd be interested just to see what happens in the 
by-elections that have been triggered that are coming up because um, we all we all love a late night by-election. It, it <laughs> tends to give us a little bit more of an indication of what yeah. the public mood is, what's going on. And given we've got kind of probably a handful of them at this point, they're going to be really interesting, particularly to see what sort of lines to take the parties have in those different seats and in those different areas because they're in quite different parts of the, the country with quite different political makeup. So I think that's going to be an interesting one to watch. Yeah, and just to close, I, I think that purpose, whether you call it what they stand for, what they're going to do in office, I mean, the purpose of a Labour government is going to be increasingly important as we get closer to a general election. Like I say, fully recognise at the moment Labour's 22 points ahead in our Ipsos political monitor. All the metrics are really negative for the Conservative government. And of course, Labour needs to stay on the attack to make sure that, that that's sustained. But I think as we get closer to an election, particularly one that the public and uh, the media think Labour are going to win, there's going to be increasing scrutiny on what they're going to do mm. in office and you know labor has to have an answer for that uh and, and to really sort of entrench that in people's minds because if they don't that does leave a door open for uh, the conservatives to try and entrench uh you know more negative political perspectives uh in people's minds too so i think that it's about setting their stall out in a way that is difficult you know it's, it's balancing those fiscal rules with being the change people clearly want to see but um we'll be monitoring it over time and time will tell uh you know what comes next but um for now cameron garrett holiday thank you very much for your time um that's all we've got time for for this week's ipsos politics talk podcast my name is kira pedley uh, if you like what you hear please do like and subscribe on your various social media channels uh, and tell a friend about us it all helps uh, grow our viewership and listenership until this time next month 